The only constant in business is change. Welcome to Trends, Bends, and Opportunities, the show that explores business ups, downs, and possibilities. I'm Pat Lynch, and I'm a retired police supervisor. Now I teach and mentor real estate agents who are looking to stand out above the rest. My partner here is Dr. Lauren Murfield, He's a retired college professor who now works with business leaders, small and large, to do what they never thought possible. Together, we're docking the cop, and we're here to help you think bigger and reach higher to deliver disruptive success for today's world. Let's go. And so welcome back, and my name is Pat Lynch, and I am your host. And as always, my co-host is here, Dr. Lauren Murfield. Say hello, Doc. Hey guys, how are you doing? We're glad to have you back and uh, we're going to make it through this this COVID crisis and looking forward to this show especially. Right, Pat? Absolutely. I am a firm believer and a, I won't say regular user of telemedicine, but I've used it several <laughs> times, uh, not ashamedly, and we'll talk about that. Um, but before we introduce our special guest today, Doc, we have, I've been, I've been looking forward to today all week long but next week we've got a really great week too so what do we have we're we're together every day next week two o'clock right here on trends bends and opportunities group on facebook and uh doc who who are you going to talk to next week well as as we talk about the trends in this covid crisis you know it's it's not a hard trend there's a beginning a middle and an end we're going to get through this thing but as we look at this, we're looking how can we bend and where are the opportunities. To that end, we've got Jackie Toledo, who is a politician, uh, representative of the Florida House from District 60, talking about a variety of things from, from uh, their elections and being a politician and all. Then we have someone that our guest today knows well, Brian Hand, is going to be speaking on uh, risk management on Tuesday. Then Dr. Harold Shanitsky, who is a um, sports psychologist, and talking about championship mindset for business on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, I've used all of my persuasive powers to get my wife, who is an MBA and an HR professional, come in and talk about steps to, to get the employees back into the workplace, um, what we need to do there. And then next Friday, Pat and I have got a wonderful show for you. Not out of disrespect for anybody who's suffering out of this, but we're gonna, we're gonna pull out the top 10 advantages from this shutdown. All kinds of things. For example, there isn't a whole lot of traffic. So we're gonna look <laughs> at the positive side and see what we can find that's really good. Um, not just the doom and gloom, but we're gonna look at the positive end of it. So and we look no, forward to that. No tin hats this week. No tin hats. And we can go into the next week and we talk about public health. We talk about civic engagement. Uh, we have an FBI agent from San Francisco talking about resilience. Wow. And then we got mortgages. And on the 15th, you're going to want to be here for this because it's Karen Cook talking about her new wine service. Boy, is this a perfect time for wine service, isn't it, Pat? Oh, I, well, yeah. Hey, if you're stuck at home, you might as well be able to take care. No, what, and, and what's going to be really interesting is 
talk about somebody who had to make lemonade out of lemons, somebody who decided to start a business in the middle of a pandemic. So we got, we got a lot of good things coming. And if you missed any of them, Pat's been working diligently on the website. So before too long, you'll be able to go there and find any one of these going to thinking disruptive right over his shoulder there. And uh, we're gonna have everything up on there. So uh, give us a little time. Pat's working hard on it. You don't want me working on it. <laughs> There's several episodes <laughs> up there already. It also gives you a quick link over to our podcast. We also have an audio version of these trends, bends, and opportunities that we've been uh, uh, talking about. We've just converted them to audio so you can listen to them in the comfort of your car because everybody's going to be going back to work. You're going to need something to listen to because you can't watch any more Netflix because you better not be watching Netflix while you're in the car driving. So they can, we, they can, they can watch our, our holy crap podcasts, which we just recorded another one. Um, and one will come, one's coming up here real quick, isn't it? It'll come out today. Yeah. Uh, okay, I was hoping great. it would be out at noon, but uh, some of us got busy. Somebody decided to steal my, uh, debit card number and tried to use it in the middle of the night while I was sleeping. Fortunately, my bank protected me, but I still had to go get a new card. And then now that's how I pay for everything. So now I got to go in and reset up every bill and every payment and, and everything. So I've been busy all day today, um, but I'm not whining about that because it's just part of life. Um, but we're, we are here talking about life and we're talking about telemedicine and uh, before we came on the show, uh, Lynn and, uh, and uh, Doc and I were talking two months ago, maybe. This has been, this telemedicine was one of those kind of eccentric, esoteric, uh, just kind of one of those funky things that some people did, but almost like riding your bicycle to, to work. Just a few people do it and everybody else just looked at you like you were an alien. And now all of a sudden, people are embracing it for good reason, and uh, certainly some opportunities, which is why it fits so well here with trends, bends, and opportunities. And so, Lynn, uh, uh, tell everybody about yourself and um, some of the great stuff you were telling us before we came on the show. Sure. Thank you so very much, Pat, for having me on, and you too, Doc. Uh, so, again, my name is Lynn Tacker. I am a healthcare consultant. I've been working with Aon Consulting now for 20 years. I can't believe it. Um, I'm actually based out of Tampa, Florida, and I work primarily with large employers across the country. So large employers are generally employees with are employers that have about uh, 5,000 or more employees across the country, and in some cases around the world. So um, I've had the opportunity to, uh, to also serve a variety of different roles within Aon. And one of those is to be our subject matter expert on a national basis for telemedicine, which has evolved now to be more virtual care because telemedicine historically started with uh, general medicine visits. And now we're moving into virtual care for behavioral health and dermatology and a host of other things. So, um, so today, uh, I thought I would just talk more about two things. One is, what is telemedicine, first of all? And then second, um, how can we leverage telemedicine to access care in this changing pandemic environment? So uh, those are the two areas, and, I, and if it's okay, I'll just go ahead and get started, or if you guys have any other comments go, go, that you'd like to share or add? Go for it. I got my trusty pen in hand. 
All right, terrific. So what is telemedicine? So telemedicine refers to the delivery of clinical services at a distance. And it incorporates uh, three things. First, there's a live interaction between a clinician and generally it's a physician. So um, it's a physician and the patient using telephone, video, um, in terms of the ability to connect with one another. And what's new and emerging through this uh, whole last six months and a year is now the use of text messaging. So now doctors and patients can now text each other in terms of treatment uh, plans and, and um, uh, ways to be able to connect on a virtual basis. The information uh, that you are sharing with the physician actually gets stored into a database. They call it an electronic medical record. And so if you call the telemedicine uh, provider back, all of that information that you had called in earlier would actually pop back up as well. So you have all of your history and information also stored on the electric medical record, EMRs. And then the third component is around uh, telemonitoring. So as you're having a visit on a telemedicine basis, you can actually purchase tools and technology that will allow you to um, to have blood pressure measurements, uh, to have your heart monitor measurements, heart rate, breathing, all kinds of tools and technology that can link into a physician on the other end. And then the physician can actually read the readings as you are actually going through them in your own home, in the comfort of your home. So some common treatments covered by general telemedicine services could be things like the cold and flu, allergies, asthma, um, bronchitis, rashes even, um, cuts, um, sinuitis is a big one for sure. A lot of people have sinuitis and then they call the telemedicine provider. And it's, it's basically a host of what I would call low acuity type illnesses. And I would say the, the concept of telemedicine has been around for a long time. Um, historically, it has been used as a way to bring medical care to populations that are in, I would say, rural communities. And um, fun fact, and probably most people don't know this, but the concept of telemedicine actually began in the 1800s where telegraphs were sent from one hot air balloon to another hot air balloon um, to report out things like the number of injured people heading to medical posts throughout that battlefields. Um, so nowadays though, more modern uses of telemedicine includes bringing medical care to troops overseas, NASA uses telemedicine um, with remote patient monitoring devices to monitor the vitals of their astronauts. And now with the rise of internet and provider initiatives to deliver care more efficiently, um, along with the greater demand of convenient access for care, and this is what the demand is coming from you as patients or me as patients, we are seeing more and more telemedicine providers entering into the marketplace. And when I say telemedicine providers, we, we have two different categories. Telemedicine providers can be an independent provider. So companies like Teladoc, as an example, or Doctor On Demand, American Well, uh, MD Live, uh, Plush Care, 98.6. Some of these are names that are very popular coming out right now. And then um, the other side are actually independent physicians who may also practice uh, medicine, but on a virtual basis too. Uh, the, the independent physicians that are practicing telemedicine are on the lower end of the scale 
it is the telemedicine services are more predominantly provided through the independent um, vendors like the Teladoc and the American Wells or those types of providers. And so as a result, we, we think that um, telemedicine is a trans transformative tool and is, is changing how healthcare is being delivered, particularly during this coronavirus pandemic environment. So let's, let's talk about how you can leverage telemedicine and how it works. Um, first, there's a registration process. So when you go online, you, you have to register as though you think about you going into a doctor's office and filling out that form and filling out your patient history. So it's very, very similar to that. You're just doing it online. Um, once you fill that out, you also list the reason for your visit. And then after that, you, now I'm going to talk a little bit about the variety of different ways you can see this, but you can have access to physicians that pop up onto your screen and you can actually see the profile of the physician, whether they speak English or Spanish. Um, you can actually uh, see where they graduated, what their specialty areas might be. Um, some telemedicine providers like American Well, as an example, you can actually have a little green button next to the physician. And that sort of means that you can actually go into the waiting room and see the doctor right away. Most telemedicine providers have a callback model. So essentially what you do is you say, I would like to have a visit with this physician right away. And then the doctor calls you back. Um, or you can actually schedule an appointment with the doctor as well. So there's a lot of ways that makes it very flexible and convenient to access care. Um, the, uh, the, the one thing that I would say um, around the, 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 the callback model is that typically we, we see on average physicians calling back around uh, 10 minutes or less. So that is historically been the most um, normal timeline. However, if I go back to the date of middle of March timeframe where COVID-19 was sort of having her debut in the United States, we were actually seeing callback times around one hour to four hours. And in certain hotspot areas, the callback times were um, probably as high as eight hours, at least what was being reported to me from the clients that I was working with. Now, as we're entering into, into May, um, a lot of the telemedicine providers have um, adopted to the volume of calls that they were getting and have been able to uh, provide a little bit more incentive for the physician community uh, in terms of increasing capacity for the calls. So calls are actually, call volume are increasing, but call wait times are actually back down to normal times now, less than 30 minutes or less than 10 minutes. So you should be able to get in and have a call. In fact, I was on a client call yesterday um, and they told me that uh, one of their employees called in and was able to get a call back within two minutes. So that was very exciting to hear because I was really worried that we were gonna have these um, ridiculous call wait times and people were gonna get frustrated um, and not being able to access care. So, um, so, so one thing to know is that you're always going to be speaking with a physician. Uh, this is not a nurse model, this is a physician. And what this means is that you, you can also be prescribed medication. Most of the medications that are prescribed are generally generic in nature, so they're lower cost. And, um, and you can just pick them up at any you know, pharmacy nearby. Um, 
one thing to, to just also share with you about telemedicine as it relates to the COVID environment is that telemedicine providers um, cannot diagnose COVID. COVID diagnosis requires a lab um, intervention. You have to have a lab in order to get the prescription to, to test for COVID. And so the telemedicine providers cannot prescribe or refer you to a lab because a lot of times the lab results will end up going back to your own specific physician and they don't come back to the telemedicine provider. So there's a bit of a disconnect there, which um, we hope and anticipate will improve once, once we see this evolution of what we call virtual primary care entering into the healthcare ecosystem. And, and literally speaking, virtual primary care is evolving and we'll probably start to see this in the next few weeks. Now, there are some providers that are already at virtual primary care and they're already doing this and they can refer and they can get lab work back and results and share them with you. Um, but until that happens a little bit more prevalent, uh, we, we won't be able to see um, telemedicine providers referring for lab work. Lynn, would virtual um, but it primary is care be basically the hybrid or blend of like my doctor would participate in telemedicine as opposed to me calling an outside provider. I would just, instead of going to my doctor's office, we'd have a phone call or a video chat or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes, Pat. So that's, um, that is what we're hoping to see is more adoption from the independent physicians to do that. And um, some of the barriers uh, to that um, could be the, the fact that um, CPT codes and how the physicians get paid um, vary a bit and the insurance carriers are still a little bit concerned or not concerned, but it confused at times in terms of what to pay the providers. So, so that, that's one barrier is the payment methodology. And then the, the other barrier at times could be also licensing. Um, so if you have a physician that happens to want to practice across borders or the state, uh, then, then that would be a problem too. And so, but in the state of Florida, as long as you're talking to a physician in Florida, then you're fine. Um, all telemedicine providers, if, if you are speaking to a telemedicine provider, they have to be licensed in the state because uh, telemedicine is governed by state rules, not federal rules. So, um, so when you're talking to a physician, you may not be talking to a physician in your city. You, you could be talking to a physician in, you know, I'm in Tampa, in Tallahassee, for instance. So, so the access, as long as it's all in Florida, I'm, I'm okay. But if I'm traveling, um, I can still access a physician. If I happen to be traveling in California and visiting there, I could still have a telemedicine visit. And actually, I would be speaking to a physician in California. And they could also give me a prescription um, for whatever ailment that I might have. And then I could pick it up in California as well. So it makes it really convenient. Um, so, so I tell you all about that in terms of COVID, that they don't diagnose COVID, but they can certainly um, provide high value care uh, for all of the other ailments that anybody might have, like the cold and flu, and, and they, they provide very convenient access to, um, to you know, convenient access to care in your home. Um, and these providers, I would say, if you think about um, helping your physician in managing his or her care patient load, um, going to a telemedicine provider for low acuity type illnesses actually could give your physician more time with patients who have higher acuity needs 
And so that's where we tend to see how the efficiency of care can actually be modeled out. Um, if we can direct patients for the lower acuity care to telemedicine, where costs are actually lower. And when I say lower, consult visits tend to be around um, anywhere from 40 to $55 per visit. Um, and um, and and versus you know spending time waiting and an hour with the doctor's office or 30 minutes trying to get in and then the drive time and everything else. Yeah, so, that's Jim, if, I could ask, if I could ask, what percentage of doctor visits are um, could be taken over by this telemedicine? Oh, great question. So so teledoc is the. Um, I'll, I will answer your question here, but uh, and I'll answer it through this discussion. Teladoc is the only publicly traded telemedicine provider today in the market, and we do expect more in the next 12 months. And they just released their uh, earnings just this week. Uh, and in their earnings, I'll, I'll try to read that to you here, they had a total of 2 million visits this quarter in the Q1 2020 quarter. And typically we would see you know, 2 million visits per year. So 2 million visits per quarter is amazing. Um, nine out of 10 visits were non-COVID related. So a pretty high number. And um, I, so I would say that um, historically, the utilization of telemedicine was around eight to 10% utilization. It's very, very low. But now we're starting to see utilization rates up in the 60% level, 50, 40% level. So it is, it is um, I guess, increasing. I guess what, I'm, what I'm asking is, of all the times that we go to a doctor, um, the you know current office visits or even two, three, four years ago, what percentage of those visits could actually be taken care of by telemedicine? You know, so that oh, oh, you, yeah. you know, you go in for a sore throat, or you go in for this or that. You know, as opposed to okay, I cut my finger and I need stitches, or I got to have a physical, things like that. Yeah, that's a great question. I um, I don't have the stats in my head, but anecdotally, I can say that um, probably sixty percent of those visits, if not higher could be treated in a telemedicine or a tele, you know, telehealth environment, for sure. So our listeners understand that. That means that 60% of the time, instead of having to go into the waiting room and have you go through this whole rigmarole, um, you know, especially if we're not feeling well, we can stay home and oftentimes get a call back within 10 minutes. Well, right. this concept of gr being green has this uh, polarizing effect sometimes, but this is a green thing, right? Because if I stay home, I'm not on the road, I'm not in traffic, I'm not, I'm not polluting whatever I might be polluting, I'm not, uh, I'm not wasting valuable resources, including my time and money, um, but it, it just totally makes sense. And i tell you a real quick story, Lynn. Uh, I had the flu uh, back in January, um, and uh, so my wife called our telemedicine provider. We have uh, we uh, MeMD um, is, oh, is the yeah. provider we use. And uh, literally, the phone call was less than thirty seconds. And the, it was the doctor said, uh, my wife said, "Hey, my husband's home. He he's he was diagnosed with uh, 
influenza A. I've been home with him and now I'm starting to get sick. And he's like, I've already called in a prescription to your pharmacy that you put in when you entered the call, literally on the phone with him for 30 seconds. And it took a little bit of convincing to get my wife, uh, who's a nurse, uh, to not <laughs> go down and sit in a chair at the med center at the dock in a box. And it would have cost us four times as much and she'd have wasted probably three or four hours. And instead she could get in the car, drive down to our pharmacy and the prescription was ready for her. And an uh, hour later, she's already taken pills. So. Yeah, that's amazing. It's so easy, isn't it? Once you use it. And I think that's the thing is that, um, you know, utilization was so low because people were just not comfortable using the, the, the video uh, with the physician. And so hopefully once the, you know, people have started to adapt to it, it will become more mainstream. And there's other ways you can use telemedicine. Like I said earlier, behavioral health or mental health is what the rest of the world calls it. The U.S. calls it behavioral health. Um, dermatology visits can be done virtually. Um, nutritional visits, actually physical therapy visits can be done virtually now. So. Yeah, and, and we were talking before we kind of got, got on, and there there's some technology, you know, with uh, blood pressure cuffs and all sorts of different devices that can connect into this technology. And so in real time, the doctor could take your blood pressure, you're the one taking your blood pressure, but can actually see your results. And, uh, right. and, and the, the opportunities and, uh, are really uh, endless almost. Right, right. We're, 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 um, we're exploring telemedicine services as a way to help uh, diabetes patients um, stay at home and be able to talk to their physician about their diabetic care. Uh, we're talking to uh, other providers to see if we could help with regards to chronic heart condition. And, you know, is there a way to have a monitor at home to be able to hook up to? And then that way that, you know, any every night or every day that the, the, the patient could be monitored for their heart rhythm and rate. So um, a lot of things can be done in a virtual environment as it relates to healthcare. So, and, and I don't think um, anybody thought uh, that this would be that way, you know, five years ago or even, you know, three years ago. Well, so definitely coronavirus has, has been a, a huge uh, catalyst for the telemedicine space for sure. And I think one of the reasons that's been the case is that the thing I really like about that is that you're not infecting the medical staff, the very people that we need to be healthy, that I asked my doctor, and I says, how do you guys keep from getting sick with all of us other sick people coming in? And he says, we don't. Right. And that's a sad right. thing. So that's my previous question. And if it's like 60% of those cases, if we can take mm -hmm. the contagious out of it and keep our mm -hmm. medical people safe, that makes that much oh. more sense. And it makes Absolutely. it easier for us as patients as well. And let's face it, for anybody who's been in the workplace, and gotten frustrated because the elderly people are there at the early morning hours. Maybe we can eliminate some of that, and make it easier for the people going into work to have some early morning appointments. Right, exactly. The uh, the one thing I'll also share is um, the statistics around the millennial workforce or the millennials in general. 60% um, of the millennial generation do not have a primary care physician and they actually want to be able to access care when they want it. So this is a way for them to be able to just hop on the phone, you know, look for a physician, 
treat whatever they need, get their prescription, and then it's done. And um, so, so some of us, you know, some of us in the healthcare ecosystem don't want physicians, uh, and so this could be a way to at least seek care differently. Well, and, and one of our listeners sent send me sent me a link to um, the new law that was passed last year, the telehealth law, and. Um, actually out-of-state doctors can in some cases get approval to uh, consult with patients here in Florida. There's a registration, they have to verify that they're part of the board and such, I'm just reading through it. And mm -hmm. it really it lists probably 12 lines full of uh, you know, chiropractor, dentist, nurse practitioner, nurse, optometrist, podiatrist, athletic trainer, orthodontist, uh, physical therapist, marriage and family, psychotherapist, um, of so many um, uh, things, just we think we're kind of mostly talking regular doctor for the most part, but it really branches out uh, the further you go. Yeah. One of the questions I have is, is uh, who are these doctors? Are they doctors that are working a shift at, at a hospital somewhere or in private practice, or are they working in a call center uh, in Bangladesh or, or Boston <laughs> or, or, or Tampa and just sitting around waiting for a call? Or are they sitting on the couch at home after working a long day? Or <laughs> what's, how's that work? Or do you, you know, what do you know about that? Uh, so the physicians um, tend to be uh, our independent contractors, so 1099 for the most part. And in, with some of the telemedicine providers, they are W-2 providers. So they are actually employed by the telemedicine company. Um, so those that are 1099 independent uh, providers, uh, they may be retired physicians and just looking for extra income. They might be, um, like I was talking to a physician once and uh, she was a, a mother and she just didn't want to go back to work um, in the hospital environment. So she decided to work as a telemedicine provider. And honestly, she makes uh, a lot more than I do and even on a telemedicine space. So she, she's making a good living just doing virtual care. Um, and then we, we also have um, some providers that are emergency room physician-based physicians that are, um, you know, part-time doing some telemedicine work. To, uh, to support their income. And, and the one thing I would say is that there's a lot of burnout um, right now in the physician community um, just because of the volume of work and the hours that people are spending with their patients. And um, this is a way to be able to make money that is maybe on, on their own time. So, um, so you are getting a lot of the independent physicians in a lot of different um, capacities. Well, and, and COVID-19 is not going to reduce workload or stress for sure. Not, a, not, for no, but um, no. another question, I don't know if you know this one or um, it's just a curiosity, who owns most of these um, telemedicines? Are they owned by uh, insurance companies that are, that are figuring out a way to save a couple of bucks or, uh, and, and I'm not, I'm not against that. Uh, when I worked for the city, I retired from the city of Tampa and, you know, they got smart and opened up a, a clinic and said it was cheaper for you to go to a clinic than it is to, you know, let you to pay for the insurance to send you to a doctor. And yeah, yeah. Great. no, great question. Great question, Pat. Um, so these are all independently owned. They're not owned by insurance companies, although some of them might have uh, larger uh, stakeholders, uh, larger 
value of stakeholders from insurance companies, but they're all independently owned and um, you know, they, they might have a board of directors that are bankers. They might have um, folks that are physicians that are owning the business. So they're all independently owned, but they do work very, very closely with insurance companies. And they also, uh, from a distribution channel perspective, they also will market directly to employers and they also have a direct to consumer model. So they, they really work across all, all areas and they also will work directly with health systems in um, creating a backroom system for the healthcare provider that are part of the health system. So we're here in uh, Tampa and BayCare, as an example, in the Tampa Bay area, uh, uses American Well. That's their back-end system. And um, it's the technology that's being used. So, um, so we don't really hear about Amwell, but we hear about BayCare. The other thing that the telemedicine providers will do with the healthcare system is um, imagine that you are calling your physician and it's after hours and the telemedicine or the, the answering service might say, um, would you like to speak to a physician about your care or do you want to speak to your, your specific physician? And you could say, I'll just speak to any physician. Well, the back in care might also be a telemedicine provider and you might not know that as well. So they're taking calls as a, as the sort of the back end call center. For, um, for health and yes, keeping your doctor at home uh, with his family or whatever he's doing. No, no offense to him for sure. Um, yeah. Right. I just all of a sudden here, in the middle of this COVID-19, BayCare, of course, has billboards everywhere talking about telemedicine. And as you drive anywhere along the interstate, all the big hospitals, Advent and um, the, the other big ones on the east side of the state are kind of advertising that as well. I never knew they were even doing such a thing uh, because they'd sure love you to come into those big expensive hospitals. But. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're, I think they're, they're really trying to find a way to uh, create more efficient delivery of care, for sure. So what, is, what has been the pushback or what has been the um, challenges with it? So I, I would say that, um, um, you know, from a, I guess the challenges from an employer perspective has been, communication to employees and trying to get employees engaged and helping them understand what is telemedicine. So the adoption rates historically have been low because people didn't really understand what it was. And, and maybe there was uh, some apprehension about not knowing who I'm speaking to and not sure where that data goes and so forth. Um, I think some of the other barriers could be uh, related to technology. And if you think about the healthcare system and the physicians, uh, the physician community, they have a variety of different systems that they already have to deal with in terms of patient portals and electronic medical direct, uh, records and all of these other things that they have to think about training their staff. So adding a telemedicine provider is another system and another component of technology that they have to train and get up to speed on. So, so those could be challenges. And then, um, regulatory uh, challenges have also come into play. Um, up until the time that Medicare approved the CPT codes for telemedicine, physicians didn't really do it because they, they weren't going to get paid. How would they get paid on a telemedicine visit? So they didn't know. So now that Medicare has approved it and we've got some CPT codes out there for virtual care, it is definitely um, advanced. And uh, in, we were actually expecting 2020 
to be a year where we would see a lot more telemedicine visits and a lot more telemedicine in general, but definitely COVID has catapulted that. For well, sure. now, now you look very smart, don't you? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, Lynn, let me ask you as well that who is this displacing? Um, with any new technology, somebody is being pushed out. Does that mean the traditional physician is seeing less patients? Or does it mean things like the, as Pat called them, the dock in the box type stores, whether it's CVS or whether it's the urgent care, is it, is it cutting into their market? Or is there any cut? Is it just more people are going to the doctor? That's a great question, Doc. I um, haven't actually thought too much about who it is displacing because it seems to be part of an overall it's a complement to the overall ecosystem. So um, if you think about, you know, trying to deliver care more efficiently, and if there was a way that we could reduce the burden of patient load for the primary care physician or the physician in general, this could actually help the physicians in, in doing that. Um, and in terms of doc in the box or some of the minute clinics per se, that could be an area where this could displace but not, I don't know if it would be a lot because people still like to get out and they still like to see their physician. So that is still yet to be known. And, um, and I would say that from a health system perspective, they are embracing telemedicine for the most part. So um, I, don't, I don't really know like too many areas that it would displace, at least at this point in time. Let me ask a procedural question too that Say you're not, you're not really feeling well, you don't want to get out of the house, I think it's a brilliant move that we've come to. But say you, you call in and they suspect that it might be the flu or it might be, say, strep throat or something that would require a swab. What is the process? Would you then go to a, a lab to have that done? Is that the way the procedure mm -hmm. happens? Right, right. Yeah, so, so some of the um, telemedicine providers have sort of a symptom checker in the beginning as part of your registration. And if, if there's anything that would identify, like if you called in and you said you're having heart palpitations or something, they would immediately say go to the emergency room. Um, and if you had to have a, a swab or anything like that, they would say, you know, then you need to see your primary care physician. And what, what has happened in the past is if you end up talking to a physician and that physician is not able to treat you, then they usually don't charge for that consult visit per se. So, um, so you, you do have to ask for that though. I mean, am I gonna be charged for this and just make sure that it's gonna be waived, but for the most part that they're very reasonable there. And one of the times I called, they, uh, there was something they couldn't help with and they, they say, you know, we're not gonna you know, run your credit card. And I thought, oh, that's, they wouldn't have told you that at a dock in the box. They'd have collected your 150 bucks and then told you go to the hospital and give them more. <laughs> and that's just yeah. I'm not I'm not criticizing per se, but that's just the way it's done. We did have right. somebody ask uh, Lynn what you what you think. How do you see dentists, eye docs, and other con uh, close contact services navigating through this pandemic? I know it's kind of outside the purview of telemedicine, or maybe some of it will fall under telemedicine. Well, that's a very interesting question, and I'm glad that was asked. Um, and I unfortunately don't have a lot of research on this, but I've actually seen some, um, 
some recent literature that I still have to read, but it's on teledental care. And I'm not exactly sure what teledental care can provide, um, but, um, but there, is the, there is something already in the market around teledentist care. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely have to follow up with you on that and, and give you some more information there. I was, I was looking for some pliers, but all I got is scissors. I could do surgery, I guess. <laughs> I have some glass wipes. There might be hand sanitizer. I could disinfect this. That, that, that's, the wrong, that's the wrong podcast. That would be a holy crap. You can't do that. <laughs> Different. Different I'll write that one down. Thanks, Doc. Duly noted. Yeah, I mean, we, we were joking with Lynn before he came on the air about, oh, okay, can, can you do this for a colonoscopy? No, but we were watching a TED Talks uh, last month and they're developing uh, these extremely portable MRIs with the intent to be able to bring the MRI to the community because there's 3 billion people in the world that don't have access to adequate medical facilities. And so the only way to do that is to bring the services to them and so it, it actually was a pretty cool looking device it's like i'd like to have one of them in my house you know uh, it almost <laughs> looks like a tanning bed um i'm sure it works more than a tanning bed but um but i thought that was a really um a, a neat concept and then then it kind of goes with some of the other stuff because maybe bridging the gap maybe if you needed a a, a nose swab they could you know, whiz by your house, do the nose swab, take it back to the lab so that you didn't have to leave. And, and, and I'm sure that's going to be an evolution of this process, especially as, as we're kind of forced to do some of this because of this virus, which is why uh, next Friday we're going to be talking about the 10 good things that are going to come from, from this pandemic. Because right. we are going to, this telemedicine is probably taking 20 year leap ahead. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Think, think about this. I'm just going to give you a futuristic perspective here. Um, think about care, uh, hospital care re-engineered. So uh, if, if you're in a hospital right now, and let's say you're on the last few days of your care where you're about to be discharged, what if you could come home a few days earlier and have your care at home? And while you're laying in bed, you've got your, you know, the monitors hooked up into your bed. You've got the breathing apparatus that's already hooked up. Everything, all the, all the uh, equipment is there in terms of measuring your blood pressure, your heart rate. And, um, and then you have your physician calling you on a video and checking in on you every day. And so instead of doing the house call or the, um, the, the rounds in the hospital, they're actually doing the rounds virtually at your home. And so the nurse checks in on you every four hours or two hours just to see how you're doing. Your physical therapist comes in on the virtual space and makes sure that you're up and walking that you need to do. The nutritionist calls in, checks in on you, and your caregiver can call in and check on you virtually. So you can actually have all of them in, kind of like the Zoom video, and everybody at the same time can be checking on you as their patient. So, just so, so they'll still nudge you awake every couple hours to see yeah. how you're sleeping? You're still not going <laughs> to get mean, a good night's sleep in the hospital. <laughs> imagine that, being at home and having your own care and then, you know, being more comfortable, being exposed to less you know, infections from the hospital and all of that. And, and can I still charge my insurance company four grand a night for uh, my bed? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Doc, I've got 
got a great idea. It's either um, Doc B and B, or <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Vacation rental by owner, hospital by owner, and we start this app. <laughs> we're not a hospital. We're just an app, and you rent your space. Uh, it's golden. And that land bring you in as a partner. Well, how, how about that if we did a lab service that was a drive-by blood draw? Yeah. You never know. This doesn't already exist. No, I'm just kidding. Well, let me just ask one serious question before we probably got to let you go. But um, what about foreign travel? What, what about when you're not in the United States? I know that's a reach yet, but um, yeah. Is there any thoughts yeah, that, on that? Is there any, can you see the way it's um, going to work? So there is one telemedicine, or maybe more than one, but there is one telemedicine provider based in the United States that does provide global telemedicine visits. And so if you are in the United States as a, um, a U.S. citizen and you travel abroad, you can actually um, connect in with a physician and that physician overseas can provide you with um, care. Now, um, it, um, other providers can provide care, but they cannot provide um, prescriptions overseas. So, so there is limitations if you're traveling abroad as to um, what type of services that you can get. And, and it varies by country. So similar to the US where telemedicine services are governed by state. So some states uh, you, you are allowed to do video and telephone. Some states you're only allowed video, some states phone only. And well, now it's all video and phone now, but it used to be varied. Um, but similar to the US, how the telemedicine is governed on the state level, telemedicine is governed by country. So depending upon what country that you're in, you could have some differences in how your services are available. But, but definitely every country has a telemedicine provider available. So um, you can certainly speak to you know, someone over there. That, that is absolutely fascinating. Just launching us into a whole new world of medicine. I, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I think it's far more upside than, I, I don't see much of any downside. Um, mm -hmm. Always some downside with disruption. Well, it's very consumer forward too. You know, mm -hmm. and which, you know, there, there's more of us than there are of them. So it's kind of, kind of, but it's, yeah. it's kind of nice that the little guy actually wins with this. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. For now, I think we have to be careful. At some point in the future, those consult visits could rise, just like healthcare costs rise across the country. We could see that 40 to $55 going to 60 or $70 at some point. So we'll still have to monitor that. But um, for now, it is a... Uh, convenient, low cost way to receive care that would cover pretty much, you know, 60% of your needs. That's well, Pat, I awesome. think we've had another dynamite session. I think it's probably time for us to let Len go to get back to work and uh, us to tie this up. That's it. Our, our show booker has been doing a phenomenal job uh, getting us some really great people, probably because he's got some connections to people like Brian Hanoran, um, and who's coming on, uh, uh, Brian's coming on on uh, Tuesday uh, to talk about risk management in the virtual world. Monday, we've got Jackie Toledo from the House of Representatives. Uh, amazing show that's going to be because we're talking about government in the sunshine 
during social distancing. How the heck do you do that, you know? Uh, and then Wednesday, we have Dr. Uh, Harold Shinsky. Shinitsky, I can't, I can't read too small. He, he, he's fantastic. He's worked with Olympic athletes, professional athletes, and written three books talking about championship mindset, taking that into business. I mean, you know, it, it just goes on. And then, and then Thursday, we have uh, Lisa Murfield, who's an MBA, an HR expert. And we had to change the title of her, her um, talk because she was going to talk about... Um, employees returning to work and I can argue that you really don't have the authority to make them go back to work but you can make them return to the workplace so um, <laughs> we should have a good time there and then Friday we're going to talk about the top 10 advantages of this COVID shutdown and so thank you again Lynn we really appreciate you love your passion for telemedicine looking forward to uh the exciting opportunity that, that does if you ever know of anyone who needs some telesurgery uh, give me a call <laughs> otherwise have a great weekend everyone we'll see you back here uh two o'clock on monday thanks take care thank you folks.